0: All right. Another episode of Spilling Buckets. i um, Ryan Jacobs. I'm actually joined by Brett Kleinberg today. Brett, we wanted to jump right into it. First of all, welcome, but both big top shot guys. And there is a release in about seven minutes. And we were just talking beforehand about our struggles with getting packs. Brett, how many, let's just start with this. How many moments do you currently have?
1: I own six moments. Zero of them came from packs. I paid top dollar for all of them and have not <laughs> seen anything close to a return on my investment yet. So
0: are you using um, the evaluate market third party site they have that just basically shows you how much the uh, moments are depreciating?
1: I actually have I found a better one which I'll send you that actually yeah. because evaluate market it, the value of your card it shows you the cheapest one available and doesn't doesn't um, calculate it doesn't calculate based on if you have like a, a ver like you know serial number 10 out yeah. of five thousand it'll tell you the, the cheapest one. I I found some website that- that Yeah, because this
0: show's lowest ask. I have 21 moments and all but four are through the marketplace. And some of them are embarrassing. Like I bought a Devin Booker moment for 195. It's now uh, lowest ask is 66. Um, The only moment that's up was my first moment I bought was Darius Basley. He's up $3. But other than that, The only reason I'm in a decent spot is because I got the AD seeing stars, which is lowest S. 258. But dude, the people that got in this early have made millions of dollars. And my theory is I've bought all these young guys that I think like, because I know a good amount about the NBA, that these guys will maybe five, 10 years down the road be solid sales, but short term, that's not
1: how this has gone. No, clearly my highest valued card is a Duncan Robinson card. That's that they're saying $849 estimated value. And we, we bought it wow. for like, you know, 200 bucks maybe, but everything else is down hundreds of dollars. All our other five cards. So
0: yeah, I'm curious in this system you're using because I'd be psyched about a moment. That's up to eight forty nine.
1: Check out. So moment ranks
0: moment Doc. ranks. Yeah. I'll set this up after the fact, but we're going to, so there's a new drop at 8 PM Eastern that we're going to join. Twenty five thousand packs so very unlikely again that we catch a break here i actually called my brother at 658 because there was a f- pack of five thousand at seven and he hopped off the peloton to try and get it we had no luck um so that was a complete waste of time but yeah before we before the uh, pack drops we can go ahead and obviously talk hoops brett i think you actually said this on twitter calling us league pass bandits that's really uh
1: the League Pass Bandits, baby. Yeah,
0: that's really that's really what the typical guest here is. I just wanted to start, and let's make sure we don't forget to join this queue in a few minutes, but I wanted to start um, talking about the Knicks and the fact that, obviously, a tough loss last night, a tough call. Before we even get to them, let's talk about the whole review situation in the NBA. What, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I, I just don't. It seems like they're not willing. They don't want to change calls. It's, you know, they don't want to admit they're wrong until after the game. You know, they're happy to to post something after the game. I think who was it, Steve Javy someone did like an interview with a third party after the game just to explain himself. It's yeah. And it's he basically, ridiculous. Uh, he basically stood by his call there. So I uh, you know.
0: Yeah, Scott Foster stood by the call and The frustration too is though that, and I think obviously a lot of people have been complaining about this, is that at the end of these games, there's no momentum, there's no rhythm because I think last night, the last five minutes took 19 minutes and then they still can't get it right. And the other problem is there are reviews where watching on TV, you know what the call is in two seconds and they're sitting there for eight minutes, which is what I don't understand. And you can't blame the teams. Like they're always going to hold the challenge for the last few minutes. Even if LeBron's yelling at, at Vogel in the first quarter to challenge, he's not doing that. So first of
1: all, that that is a hilarious news <laughs> in the NBA. Uh, how a player who's emotionally distraught after, air, like you know, airballing a shot or something, yeah. they, they just look at their their coach and they're always like, "They just chill. It's the first yeah. quarter, man. Yeah, it's the first quarter." And we'll that was this. off
0: you. So just chill out. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's so frustrating. And last night, I think. I mean, I think they got the call wrong when Randall regathered and took a dribble either way though. I mean, it was, it was exciting to see the Knicks in that game. I'm, I'm hesitant to think the Knicks are going to make this playing game. They had the easiest schedule in the first half. All these advanced stats say that they're like the efficient uh, field goal percentage that they're giving up is so much lower than it should be based on the shots that they give up. So simple terms, they're getting lucky, but regardless, do you, as a Knicks fan, you think it's better to get these young guys some good postseason experience, or you think it's better to try to get a nice pick?
1: You know, at, at this point, they, we we've been bad for so long that there needs to be a winning culture, and and you're not a, attracting free agents if you're tanking every season. And I think they're approaching the point where they can, you know, they should they they can make a big trade and trade assets for a star or or get someone free agency. So I think. They do need to, you know, and Tibbs, I think Tibbs is doing it. He's, he's showing that the Knicks are no joke now, and uh, we're all about winning. So I, I think it would be very nice for them to play in the playoffs, get those games in. It would be just great for the young guys to just feel what it's like to represent New York, see what the city's like when they're in the playoffs. No, I totally agree.
0: I mean, we were talking about this. We've talked about this on most episodes, really, just the importance of younger guys getting in the postseason and getting that experience um like SGA one of the guys we've highlighted who got those two postseasons and we kind of see what that's meant for him yeah I mean it'd be awesome to see someone like Barrett who's kind of taking a leap the last few weeks oh yeah quickly get that experience we were we were really high on quickly on the last pod I was joined by some pretty avid Knicks fans and I took a look at his numbers after And I know for shorter guards especially rookies you can't live and die with a field goal percentage but I saw, I saw he was shooting 39 and I was kind of like all right quickly's good but we're like a little bit over our heads on this guy.
1: It's funny because in the beginning of the season, he was like, he was like hitting all these floaters. And that was like, Oh, the quickly floater. I, I haven't seen him make one in, in three months No, And I think half his shots are now three pointers from seven feet behind the line. Seems like. Yeah.
0: So I think it, that it, notification, Brett is letting us know we can join this drop. So we'll keep the listeners posted okay. here, but we'll, we'll talk next as we, as we get through this and see uh, what number we're, we need to be at least inside the top twenty five thousand here. But I, yeah, with the I, with I'm the not Knicks, feeling
1: optimistic right now about this. you good.
0: Yeah, I was in the seeing stars release. I was like five thousand. I was pretty pumped about it. Um, but on quickly, yeah. What I respect about quickly though is that he's got no fear, um, no fear to take the shots as as Clyde would call him the neo fight, which he says like eight or nine times a game. <laughs> um, the thing with the Knicks though is. I, a part of me thought that Nerland's Noel was honestly doing a better job at center for a few weeks than Mitchell Robinson was, especially late in games, defensively getting out to the perimeter. But I think the last few games we've kind of just realized they have no offense at that position. His he's got no hands. So if they're going to upgrade anywhere, I think it's there, but at the same time, I think they should hold at the trade deadline and, and not go for this. They need to, as you mentioned, I think they just need to build a culture.
1: Agreed, and and you know they have so many young guys that they can give playing time to. It's not I don't think it's worth bringing in a veteran to go for the sixth seed. Um, and also about Ner- Nerlens, I'm glad he brought it up because he was really good when we when we had that stretch against the Pistons twice, the Magic. You know we, we had that stretch a very soft schedule, and he was balling in, in, in the first week or two after Mitch was out. But I think everyone has realized now. Great role player. I think he's going to be great when, when he's playing limited, you know, 20 minutes a game, 18 minutes a game. But, yeah, you he, he can't play him 35 minutes a game and think he's going to be so strong the whole game. It's it's just not realistic.
0: Yeah, they need help at center. I mean, Taj Gibson is getting some serious minutes every now and then, which is a concern. By the way, no luck again on Top Shot. I'm at 60,000. 60, brother got 39. So, again, no luck here. Where are you at?
1: 102. And haven't heard from my brother, so I'll assume he also is uh, not in it.
0: It's so frustrating. But, yeah, we'll we'll eventually get lucky on the top shot uh, with top shot. But, yeah, with the Knicks, uh, big game, obviously, against the uh, Sixers tonight. We'll see how they fare. They've got a tougher schedule. Either way, it's encouraging. I wanted to get to uh, Trey Young. I've been completely confused by him pretty much throughout his career, but more so this season. So they've won five games in a row since they fired Lloyd Pierce. They're playing better now. by the way, can we just
1: say I manifested on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> Literally the night before he got fired. He got fired the morning after I had tweeted Lloyd Lloyd Pierce is not doing his job well. <laughs> but I mean, everyone thought based on their roster construction, this this was a team primed to make a jump and actually lining up nicely with Trey Young's career trajectory. And, you know, they were they were they were not good. But they're now, getting hot now.
0: No, you were right. I mean they Gallinari's been a little better recently. I think Hunter's coming back in a few days who was unbelievable before he got hurt. Oh. My confusion with Trey Young is, obviously, we talk about this every time, but he's, a lot of people are frustrated with the style play, hunting fouls. I was just surprised when I looked at his on-off numbers and he's like plus 13, which tells you that obviously they're they're a very good team when he's on the floor. But what's confusing is the fact that they have a pretty good supporting cast that hasn't really been playing up to its level. And I think me, and a lot of other people put this blame on Trey. But I mean, he might be doing his job, and the supporting cast isn't. And he's getting compared so often to other guards that are the same age, whether it be Luca or Ja or SGA, lamello ball. And I feel like a lot of people are down on Trey Young. Are you Trey Young advocate?
1: I, I got mixed feelings. Um, I, I think, you know, my theory there is that it's similar to to the Billy Donovan Russell Westbrook MVP season Thunder, where, the entire team was constructed around him doing everything. And when he came off the floor, their second unit didn't know how to play because how your second unit and your first unit don't have the same principles. And I think it's the same thing with the Hawks now. And the, the second unit, you know, Rondo, I want to see Rondo like be Rondo. I mean, how how much fun was Rondo last year? Now he's like parked on the bench in Atlanta behind Trey and, and he can't even be himself when he's on the court. You know, that's a
0: great point because – Obviously his usage rate is so high that when he's off the floor, they don't really know how to run the offense and they're so dependent on him. This was, yeah. And this was often the case with LeBron's teams back in the day when he was even more ball ball dominant than he is now, but there's gotta be, I think that's ultimately that comes down to coaching. I mean, these players in the second unit have to get more comfortable with that. uh, Running the offense with the second unit, they've won five in a row. I think it's a strange roster. Bogdanovich hasn't really done anything. Capella has been great for them, but I'm not, I personally don't love watching Trae Young, but at the same time, I think we're super unfair to him this year because I I said this last time too. It's like, if he can hunt fouls and get to the line, why wouldn't he? There are so many guys that do that. I mean, quickly does the same thing. We love it. So we'll see what the deal is with Trae Young. I just don't think that at the end of games, if it's not from behind the perimeter, I don't really see him as a guy that can close out games scoring
1: wise with his well, size. I think that's the thing, right? First of all, he, he's a, he looks great in the box score. And, and to your point, you know, some, even someone like RJ, like, I think what we love about him is that he has the ability to get to the line. So it's like, Oh, well he gets the line so well. He's such a force going downhill. If he could just make a jump shot, he can be. So I, you know, I agree that that's not a fair knock. Um, I, I, but to your point, I think at the end of games, right, if everyone's switching on everything in the league this year and, and years moving forward, who's he going to guard? Yeah. In, in, in playoffs in crunch time, when the game slows down and he's switching onto a forward, he he's toast mouse in the house. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean. I feel like that used to be
0: the case less so, but Curry would get hunted late in games. Uh, Kyrie would get hunted late in games, but they could at least be viable defenders when it counts. And when the effort is there, he doesn't a, he doesn't really have the best. He doesn't have the size to be a good defender, but B his efforts not there. So that combo is lethal and that's where he struggled. So we'll see what comes out of Trey on that. There's just also never the pressure on him because of the Doncic pick is never going to go away um it's yeah. such a
1: great isn't that hasn't yeah. that, up that that trade happened that it's like it the like just thinking about how the league has been affected by a trade of two top young guards in the league
0: yeah and the kings we were saying too that every time bagley walks into the building it's just got to be like uh ah, marvin bagley <laughs> who yeah. broke his hand last night which is frustrating for my fantasy team oh but man. um we'll That's get to cool. i was gonna get to Holmes. we'll get to him later yeah i wanted to we're talking about these young guards Listeners are probably tired of me talking about SGA, but he's become my favorite player to watch in this league.
1: You're you're leading the campaign for SGA.
0: Yeah. So I'm just shocked that the size of the leap that he's taken this season, but I was watching Thunder Grizzlies on Sunday afternoon, nice little 2 p.m. treat. And there was, uh, I think the Thunder were down six or seven. It was a nice little like SGA versus jaw narrative and sga comes in scores like 11 unanswered i'm just shocked by how good of a scorer he is and how good of a shooter he is right now um i don't really think there's much he can't do if you watch his drives his layup package i think he's got the whole game and i don't not at all i don't know if it's because he's an okc that he's not being talked about enough but koc recently tweeted he should have been an all-star i was happy about that but he's not getting he's not getting the hype he deserves.
1: And listen, I think these these things happen. If you have to choose a, a bottom three league pass team to watch, it's probably them. And the only reason it, you may be – I watch them every night, it's because of him. So I think I think to your point, there's just no there's no national spotlight on this Thunder team, and he, he is he is such a baller. Not to mention he is swagged out.
0: Yeah, he, no, I was gonna say <laughs>
1: he's, the, he's the drippiest player in the league. I stand by that. Yep, one hundred percent. And like his game, like the way he moves on the floor, just like he's just so swagged out, man. Yeah, he's so
0: long too. And his scoop layups, he used to have, I mean, he still kind of has like the hitch in his jumper, but he can get it off quickly enough. Yeah, I love watching him. Maybe the fact that Poku's back now, more people will be watching the Thunder and realize how good SGA is because there's talk. I heard the whole like Ja versus uh, LaMelo conversation. Um,
1: and as well, I mentioned, the Knicks, the Knicks Twitter jumped in and was like, what about job or Sarge? look at the numbers this year. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Knicks fans also like I watch the Knicks and I root for them to be good. I'd love going to games when that was an option, but I'm not, I'm not watching the Knicks more or less than any other team. I'm watching the thunder and the, and the Pelicans more than any other team in this league, just because I'm such a SGA and uh, BI uh, advocate. Um, but yeah, there's all this debate about these young guards. I'm just excited for the thunder to get some more talent on this team and for people to realize how good this guy is. Cause I think imagine,
1: imagine they somehow secure the first pick and you got Cade. Yeah. SGA. I mean, that that's, you know, that would be a lethal big guard duo.
0: Yeah. And the value of having guards now that can play off ball, which we're, we're seeing with Brooklyn. I mean, SGA got that experience playing with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder playing off ball and, and knowing how to do that. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Rhett, we, uh, we wanted to talk about also just LeBron and how uh, this constant theme, if you want to get into this a little bit of just how LeBron seasons go.
1: Every single year. It's so funny because you know, if you, if you just, I'm such I'm all over Twitter. I, I have a Twitter problem, I would say. And every single year it's the same exact story about LeBron, right? He starts the season strong. The King is back, MVP, no-brainer, leading MVP for the, for the first, you know, two, three months of the season. Then they start to hit a little a little rut toward the All-Star break, lost a bunch of games, and people start to question, oh, maybe this team doesn't have it. Maybe LeBron, this is not the year for LeBron's team. I mean, you, they start talking about the Clippers, and you start talking about the Nuggets, and you got all these other teams. And then you hit the trade deadline. They make a couple of good moves, like always and the guy's going to be in the finals again like he is every single year so you know it just should be a lesson that if if lebron's teams lose a couple games in the middle of the season like pre all-star game it is not at all precedent to start discussing what the finals will be like without him because we we are we've grown all too comfortable with him being there
0: i think us as nba fans and the people that are watching on a nightly basis also we we almost try to overvalue the regular season because we're putting in so much time watching it (laughs) that we feel like, all right, if I'm watching every game, like I'm obviously going to convince myself that these games mean so much. But as a LeBron viewer, I think we're both big LeBron fans is that we understand it doesn't really matter what seed they are, particularly this season with no, what we assume will not be any real home court advantage. What I'm thinking is, I'm honestly concerned that A D is never gonna be hundred percent this season. That could be a bold take, but it's an Achilles injury. They keep trying to dodge the fact that it is. It is. Um and now it looks like he'll be reevaluated in another two weeks. Do you what do you think that this Laker team, say they finished as a four seed, can get you think they could battle in the West without him? Say they make like a a, a Drummond type pickup.
1: Well, that's what it is. I think yeah. they need to make a, a serious pickup. I don't know if it's Drummond or Aldridge. Drum, Drummond, to me, is just not a winner. I mean, he, he's got skills. I don't think he's a winner. I don't think LeBron wants someone like Drummond on his team. I do think Aldridge could be a nice fit there. Um, obviously not as athletic as he used to be, but he can, can he can provide offense, pick and pop, um, and he's a big body. So I, I, I think... Um, it's going to be interesting what happens, but all I will all I will say is prediction aside, I I never would ever say LeBron, you know LeBron's cooked and his team's not going to be in the finals. I think that's just foolish. I agree,
0: and he also just knows how to manage his guys on the floor in those situations too. Yeah, he'll
1: figure it out with whatever roster it, it is after the trade deadline. He'll make it happen.
0: Yeah, like, I mean the team best. the team that scares me the most in the West if you're if you're a Laker guy is Phoenix. I think that someone made this point and I agree with it because Utah was playing so well. We kind of didn't realize what the Suns were doing. And I'm a believer that Chris Paul is, is more valuable to that team than Booker is. I just think his outside of the box score, his leadership, um, the pace that he can control the game at. And I'm scared of any Chris Paul team in the playoffs. I know there's this belief that Chris Paul hasn't had this great playoff career. I mean, if you watched him last year, and years before one of the best closers in the game can kill you at the end of a game. And they have so many weapons. Yeah, go ahead.
1: On both ends.
0: Yeah. The only thing that concerns me is they have a lot of guys with no experience in the postseason, including Booker. So I'm interested to see how much, how much of an impact that has for them.
1: I love them. And they're, they're league pass wise. They they're up there for me. I love Mikael bridges too and he's just like exactly what you'd hope in you'd have in a wing right uh, and I hated I remember during the draft everyone's like he's 22 already you can't draft 22 year olds and now look at him so you know I, I I love that team I'm not jumping on the their serious contenders bandwagon yet um for the points you just said you know I I, I don't I don't foresee Aiden being ready to win playoff matchups He's not even playing in fourth quarters now. He's not playing. And and I think, you know, Booker and Chris Paul can, can take that team super far, but I, I, I'm not all in yet. You're Which not I, a Dario Saric guy? I've got people who are all in on the Suns.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think it's just like the new toy that everyone's excited about. Yeah, Dario Saric, though, has been unbelievable for them. His advanced numbers, they're playing out of their mind with him on the floor. And uh, Frank the Tank has been good for them, too, who they picked up out of nowhere. So... It's exciting to have a new team in the mix, which brings me to uh, the Houston Rockets, too, which I have completely jinxed the Houston Rockets. I was on here uh, probably a month ago. They haven't won in a month. So I was. this is when they had just acquired Oladipo. Wood was healthy. They had this stretch of being the best defensive team in the league. They'd won five in a row. I said that the Rockets are going to be a six seed. They're 0-14 cents. Now it's the uh, KPJ show, who's... uh? they've got a big game tonight try to get off the schneid but yeah i completely janked houston and i think they got to go full cell mode
1: well the funny the whole funny thing about how bad they are is that they could have had Karis Levert. yeah and like not only is his production well he hasn't played much but can his production be similar to oladipo now probably but how about build around him for the future you know and and now they're, they're looking to trade Oladipo and I don't think anyone is going to pay anything, anything that they're going to be happy with. Yeah. And even
0: if, even if you believe, and I do that Lavert is a better, will be a better guy on the court eventually, like who's a bigger asset, Karis Lavert or Oladipo? It's not even close. I don't, I didn't understand when that was, when that move was made. Obviously all the focus was around Harden being moved, but I never thought that made sense. But Tillman Fertitta is also has proven he's kind of clueless, and I I just can't believe that they made those moves. They have, they have assets. I can't believe that they were able to pick up KPJ so easily. I mean, I know that Porter's had off the court issues, but he's twenty years old. He has unlimited offensive talent, and Wood before he got hurt, Wood is like a top five center in the league. So I mean, they have talent there. Tate's been a good role player. They have to unload Tucker i would unload gordon i would unload everybody
1: honestly other How than well would you have been moving forward in the future with lavert wood and then you have a top draft pick you also got kpj now you know it would have been nice and now you got oladipo shooting 20 shots a game 38 percent and 30 30 percent from three
0: yeah oladipo- so what, NBA,
1: what nba team is is trading for 30 percent three-point shooter Hopefully not the Knicks
0: Uh, the depot is just a, is almost an anomaly to me. I mean, I know he's had a lot of injuries, but it seems like he just fits so well in that Indiana system. And now that he's being asked again to be that main guy without Zabonis, without Brogdon, it seems like obviously small sample size and health is a concern, but he hasn't been that same player. It's just strange how quickly this league turns around. Now the Rockets are a lottery team with completely different names Whenever you trade these big guys, not what, not every time, but it, it rarely works out. I mean, even look at New Orleans. I mean, I know it's early, but and they have they got Zion, um, and they they have other assets, but they're struggling. It's not like it's not like they're going to be competing for a championship anytime soon. So when you trade yep. these guys, that's why they should have they should
1: have traded for Ben Simmons. I I well, here's I here's, the, here's the thing. Let's talk about the Pelicans. Yes, let's talk about the Pelicans because. It, it, Production-wise, you're right. It, that hasn't worked out for them. But I mean, you're telling, and I love Stan Van Gundy so much. And I hate to say anything bad about him. He's not doing his job well right now. He's no, got old on these him boys last and week, and they can't defend at all. Put Tib if Tibbs You're telling me if Tibbs is that coach? They're not a playoff team right now. You kidding me? It's ridiculous.
0: I mean, you look at their roster. We you look at their roster, and then you look at the Grizzlies roster and the Grizzlies yeah. are 500, and the Pelicans are five games under. They have two premier offensive players in Ingram and Zion. Lonzo Ball's been unbelievable this season, especially the past two weeks, shooting like 40 from three. He's a good defender. He's a perfect like secondary guard, and they're awful. I mean, if you watch their games, they give up a wide-open three on pretty much every single possession. They can't <laughs> rotate. Antonio <laughs> Daniels does the color for them. He's freaking out the whole game about the rotations. And I don't want to rag on him again. I I don't
1: comprehend what Steven Adams does. I, I he well listen, you got Steven Adams and Bledso, who are just not premier NBA players anymore playing big minutes for them. You know who's been good for them, Brett? Is uh, Hernan Gomez he
0: plays good minutes when he comes in and he should play more
1: for them. I thought you were gonna say Hart, because I'm I'm I so love Hart. Hart. He's he's so good. Yeah.
0: No yeah, I mean He's an underrated them.
1: piece of that trade, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, they got
0: you can argue I'm as big of a Brandon Ingram believer as anyone else is I'm just starting to get a little bit more hesitant on that just based on the win loss situation but you could argue I mean, they got bi who you could say is a is legit number two option I hope I mean he's a number two right now and it's not working out it's very early he's only 22 23 yeah, I think but they got it,
1: dude. if they if they could defend decently yeah they're they're I mean they're so talented offensively
0: yeah, well, they're one of those teams, too, that you wouldn't want to see in the postseason because that's like they got they lost by 40 to Minnesota. And then two nights later, they beat the, a healthy Clipper team by 30. <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. They are a fun watch, though. I'm I didn't even think Zion was going to be this talented. I didn't. I mean, I knew he was this talented. I didn't think he was going to be this effective in the league. And he he can score at will. He's, he's, up, he's up. a must watch.
1: It's funny. I think I think the biggest win for everyone regarding the Pelicans is that JJ Redick is there, so we get all those players on his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've been loving, you know, Zion went on. Ingram had an unbelievable interview, and he yeah. and Redick loves to juice up Lonzo. He talks about Lonzo every podcast, doesn't matter who the guest is, he brings him up.
0: Yeah, I'm I guess I they love, shoot together. I love the old man in the three. Uh Tommy Alter's also just got the most timely Timely comments, yeah. No, when Zion was on, Zion is the most genuine, innocent. We did we did an all cute team last week. He honestly should have been on it. Um, just these innocent players, but yeah, I'm, that is the only perk. Hopefully, Redick leaves though. I mean, they've been running the, uh, they've been running the dribble handoffs with Zion and Redick. They've worked out well. But Red, I wanted to also get to. Uh, you were talking about how this theory give us your theory on shooters in this league and and what and what you think the future holds there
1: well yeah i think it's it's been building for a while but it's something my brother and i you know just frustrated watching basketball games is if you don't have four guys on the court at all times who make threes you can't win in this league and that's that's just the reality of the situation now and i think you know especially as a knicks fan over the past few years they've been a bottom three three-pointing sh- shooting team for three years now at least and it's like what are, what what are they doing that they don't understand you need to have shooters on the floor. So I, I think what, what we've kind of seen is that you have to, to to be in the NBA. Now you have to be elite at at least one other thing. If it's not, if you're not a decent three point shooter. Um, so I was just, you know, thinking of some players who, who happen and it's really just, you think about bigs or like, you know, cause even the wings shut down defenders, like the, the tony allen type doesn't exist the tony allen type has to hit corner threes and that you've seen pj tucker along his career because he drills corner threes now so it's that i think it's the bigs who who are either elite rebounders or elite rim protecting bigs who can also switch on pick and rolls yeah i mean Um, we
0: saw this with even last year in the rockets thunder series right we saw this with lou door they didn't believe he could hit threes and eventually Eventually he was hitting them and almost beat them the Rockets in game seven because it, but they just didn't guard him at all. They left him wide open. It creates no space. And I agree with you. You have to be special in some department. I had to sneak Lou door in there, by the way, you (laughs) have to be special in in one department and there are guys, I guess Steven Adams is considered one of them. Like he can't be on the floor on the same, on the same floor as I am. There's absolutely no space. It's not worth it. Um, But there are guys that have carved out a spot for themselves, like Rashawn Holmes, who can hit that floater. Um, Obviously, Gobert is special at what he does. But you're right. You, especially at the end of the games, it's all it all comes down to shooting. You're not going
1: to. To your point, though, at at the end of the games, it's it's what are you making the defense do? Yeah. How much can you open up the court? Because when the game slow, when the game is is you know in the first and second quarter. You can get away with things, but when the game slows down, and you have like uh, uh, Andre Roberson standing in the corner, and the defense doesn't have to guard him, you can't. It's it's just becomes exponentially harder to get layups, and you end up. Increase. We're we're seeing a guy like
0: Aiton in his third year who's super talented. He doesn't play at the end of games recently, and they'd rather go with Saric, who can stretch the floor, and Kaminsky. So. It is an interesting theme to continue to pay attention to. I mean, we look at these teams, you're going to have a minimum of four guys that can drill threes at this point. And then you're either going to have that specialist at the five, but it becomes so challenging to defend these teams. If if we look at the end of games, and I'd be curious to do this in the playoffs too, I bet at the end of the game, unless it's a guy like Gobert, those guys are never on the floor. I mean, even look at the Lakers last season. They have to play Davis at the five. We watched the Rockets. The Heat did the same thing. I guess Adebayo is still kind of developing that shot. But, yeah, if you can't spread the floor, you're not playing late in games.
1: The, the, last night, I actually played basketball for the first time in a while. Wow, I'm jealous. And, you know, there's some kid on the other team who just clearly was not there to shoot at all. He told me from the start, <laughs> like, I'm not shooting tonight. and I'm not really running either. And I was like, all right, perfect. I'll guard you. And I, I literally was playing free safety on defense. I, I was just in the help any he, wherever the ball was I was in the immediate help, and the other team couldn't get layups and it was just I felt bad but it was like if this kid's not going to shoot I'm I'm going to stand in the paint the entire game, and, yes. and I was telling everyone else hedge hard on pick and rolls because if you get caught behind him I'm here yeah and I'm not guarding anyone you're
0: guarding <laughs> uh yeah you <laughs> you're guarding like a a poor man's Alfred Payton who's impossible to watch offensively I can't stand his game. But no, it's true. I mean, you basically can just double the ball and 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 cover all the passing lanes at that point. We're seeing the league trend this way. Everyone, everyone's a shooter. The, I saw this question posed of what types of shots and what would this game look like without a three-point line? And I still think these guys would be shooting from the same distances because it creates the necessary spacing. So... It's interesting. There's so many things to look out for on these nightly league pass nights where you're trying to focus on one thing or another. I know you mentioned Twitter. Problem for me is I'll put on league pass, league pass on one TV, and then the national or local game on the other screen. And before you know it, you've been staring at Twitter for 45 minutes and have not
1: watched a play. And and you got to put the phone down. You got to put the phone down. <laughs> it's that's so funny i me too of course it's twitter's too addicting man and you see one play you gotta tweet about it (laughs) (laughs) you gotta make sure that that the league pass bandits know that you're 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 on shift tonight (laughs) i'm
0: on shift every night which is yeah it's hard not to be i mean yeah it's also you you grow this ridiculous like kinship with the with the home team announcers that you I feel like I'm connected to the New Orleans Pelicans announcers. You have the league pass. You're watching the entertainment at, at timeouts sometimes asking yourself like, what the fuck am I doing? But it's addicting. We can't help ourselves. But yeah, the the point about the, you gotta be able to shoot, I think is going to become even more true. As you mentioned the next few years, Uh, moving on to a team that I have a hard time watching, especially for a team. That's one of the better teams is the Celtics. And I understand the Tatum Brown show, but from what I understand you're a big you're a big tatum viewer.
1: Huge tatum guy. Uh, my brother and I have been betting his overs for three years now <laughs> um, not every night but you know strategically and I this year I decided I was gonna actually track his whether or not he hits his over every single night and we've taken I think probably half the games uh we're doing well he he's i think he's 17 13 and 2 now on the seat which is still profitable yeah um not to jinx ourselves but we are 13 and 3 so far we've been more conservative now that we have such a good record it's like we don't need to force them playing the jazz tonight i i got a couple texts and we don't you don't need to do them against the jazz all right yeah one of the top defensive teams in the league take this night off okay if he hits it great
0: what is the over under most nights? Like 25, 26? 25
1: and a half, exactly. 25. Every single night? Not every, but it's, it's, it hovers around there. That's, yeah. that's the average.
0: Is it lower tonight against Utah? I
1: actually didn't even check because yeah. I didn't want to get sucked in. Once you open it, it's like, I could. Yeah,
0: it's too tempting. <laughs> I, uh, I used to think I was good at gambling on the NBA. I was like, all right, the NFL season's over. I did horrible. Like, tell my friends, I like, I'm pretty solid at the NBA. I'm pretty solid. And then season starts and, What I find is I'll end up betting on the same like three or four teams that I feel like I've got really good knowledge about, and then they'll come out not show up, lose by thirty, and I ask myself what I'm doing. And then I started to not even like the way that I'm viewing the games when I bet on them. It's like I'm rooting for the wrong things. Now I don't enjoy this game because Pelicans are down ten, so I'm I'm pretty much out on it. Took the uh, actually had the Pelicans against the Clippers on Sunday (laughs) night money line, which was exciting but I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay away
1: from I it agree with that. It's, yeah. It takes away from your enjoyment of the game and just like appreciating good players when you have an ulterior motive for watching the game and like what you want to see happen. Yeah. Um, and it's also
0: like, you want a good game. So even if you took a team like minus three, you don't want them to just be up 30 in the third. Like you want to watch a good game. So it's too controversial for me. This brings me to my point. Do you play fantasy basketball?
1: I, I I stopped that. I couldn't. I couldn't okay. handle the, night, the nightly watching games is plenty for me. You know, throwing my 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 props here and there. I can't do the fantasy basketball anymore. <laughs> we do a uh, we started doing
0: it again last year. Mo- most of the people bailed out for probably the same reason you did. But I I'm now commissioning this ten team or it's eight teams. It's like a fantasy football format though. So like you're projected for about 13, 1,400 points a week. What I find is, it's no coincidence that these guys that I'm obsessed with and I'm talking about, most of these guys are on my fantasy team. Whether it's SGA or BI or KPD, uh, no, all I- these. Basically, it's a it's not a franchise league, and I'm drafting I'm drafting for the future, even though the season ends in like two months. So I've got all these young guys. My idea was though, like I'm watching these guys so closely, and I'm so into it, even though there's there's barely any money involved. It's it's all pride. There's like family members involved. You want to prove that you know the most about the NBA. Like that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But I would like to join a league where you just redraft every month. So you just have a new 12 guys that you're going to key in on and be as into as the, as the guys you were into all seasons. That's what ends up
1: happening. Well, I wonder if there are like extended draft Kings matchups stuff, like that.
0: Yeah, probably in the DFS, but I mean, at least when I do the daily fantasy, I get crushed every time because these people are using advanced formulas and and I'm not, I'm just picking off my, I'm picking up my players yeah.
1: <laughs> for a nightly, for a nightly fantasy. You're like, oh, yeah. well, he, he's going to be really good in a couple of years.
0: Yeah. That, Thanks. so that diminishes the chances. Um, one other thing too, we were talking about the, uh, talking about the Eastern conference, obviously the Knicks and the potential of missing this playing game, which team outside of the Nets do you fear the most in in the Eastern conference?
1: I fear the Sixers, although the Bucks are, are starting to put things together. Um, I do fear the Sixers, though. I, I I've always loved Embiid, and right when Daryl Morey locked in with Philly, you know I was buying stock because everything he does, it seems like everything he does turns to gold. He's got the best pulse for how, the you know the direction of the league. Hit my favorite Daryl Morey quote ever, which he told Ben, which he told uh, Bill Simmons was that every year as long as there's five dumb teams he'll always be successful. And <laughs> and good. I think he it, that came after like the Hornets paying top dollar for Gordon Hayward. I think that he went on and said that without saying what he was referring yeah. to. But he he just knows what he's doing, man, and it's crazy that you'd think a team adjusts like how many teams adjust their style of play completely based on the the GM and the roster makeup rather than the coach.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they fleeced uh, Dallas with the Seth Curry-Richardson trade. It's not even close.
1: Which is crazy. And
0: Curry's, <laughs> been, Curry's been unbelievable for them. I like the Sixers. It's just – and I do love him b too. I like his attitude. He's even more enjoyable when there's an atmosphere in the arena. But I, I love his like savage, I'm going to be the asshole big man attitude. But I just can't buy into – like as big men struggle to close – to close games, they get doubled. They have to pass off. They've got to rely on other guys to hit those shots. I don't trust Ben Simmons at the end of games at all. And I know Tobias Harris has been really good this season. I'm not, I'm not going to trust Tobias Harris at the end of the, the regular game.
1: season. No he's a regular season guy, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. So to me, the team that I would be most scared of if I'm Brooklyn is Miami. And obviously that's coming off the fact that they're extremely hot right now but they have the experience, they have the depth, they have the coaching, they have Jimmy Butler, who is one of the main guys you'd like to depend on in a playoff series. So Miami's the team that scares me most. I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of time left, but we could see, we could see them in Brooklyn play earlier in the postseason, which would be fascinating. To me, though, we, we say this often, it'd be a sin if Brooklyn lose, doesn't win the East.
1: And that's, that's what's fun being a Knicks fan it's if they don't win the easts i mean what a failure yeah they're playing for these seasons this is this is it this is it it's not like there's no let's well next year no this is it man this is it so especially if Durant's back there there are zero excuses and to your point they can end up playing a good team just because of how weird this season has gone and and whoever does get the heat you know whether it's it's the 1 2 or 3 seed they're going to have their hands full and we know we know that just based on last year they have essentially the same roster besides Myers Leonard for now.
0: <laughs> talking about and, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just not a team that you want to play. They've got too many weapons. They're, they're, they're a cohesive unit. And when they're clicking, they're one of the prettiest teams to watch.
0: Absolutely. I know the, the Durant situation is starting to make me a little bit nervous. I mean, Initially, he was out a few games. Now he's being reevaluated in a few weeks. You'd like to have him back by... I mean, saying nervous is probably an overreaction, but you'd like to have him back by some point in May, which you'd hope he is, just to even get comfortable playing with these guys. Granted, Durant can assimilate with any team. I've just been amazed by the way James Harden is playing. I i know a lot of people like to rag on him. I think James Harden should be highly considered for the MVP. They're 20-7 and seven since he joined the team. And if you think about it, he's played most of those games without Durant, right? When when it was just Kyrie and Durant, they were struggling. They were a little bit, they were a little above 500. They had Jared Allen. They had LaVert. They had a better roster outside of Harden. And what Harden's doing is they're winning. I mean, last night was close, but they're winning pretty easily every night.
1: He's something else. He's I completely agree that he he needs to be considered, uh, and, and I think the lat the rankings that came out last oh, the week, ladder. Don't get me started on this the ladder. ladder. I think he was like eighth <laughs> or ninth, right? Like he ladder like, is
0: absurd. I, who's coming up with this? Who's, where is that coming from? I think it's just NBA.com.
1: They have Jamal Murray was fifth on NBA. the defensive player of the year ladder. Did anyone even? <laughs> I think Ben Simmons. Okay, he had a there was a post game press conference where Ben Simmons said. I think I'm the best defensive player in the league. And a week later, he's number one on the ladder defensive NBA, defensive player of the year. So I don't know where those are coming from, but it's, they're pumping the storylines in the NBA and they're giving us something to talk about. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, I have
0: Simmons plus a thousand to win defensive player of the year, so I'm all for it, but all right. we'll see. I mean, that's also like everyone's obsessed with this MVP talk. Giannis over the last month is putting up, Ridiculous. Historic numbers once again. And because he already won MVP two times in a row, like he can't win it. He's got average forty a night. So
1: no one wants him to.
0: Yeah. Well everyone wants someone else. You like watching Giannis? I I do like I ask
1: this to everyone that comes on. I do like watching Giannis. I, I I will say though it's I I just love shooting and and when you see him line up his shot with the ball out in front of him to shoot a 3 it's it's just it's a little sad which and it just doesn't make sense. He's still averaging 32 a game on like 58% field goal shooting. It is sad. I feel I feel bad when I watch him because there's he's
0: almost in the Paul George camp right now where his regular season is just completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter what he does. No one cares. And unless he actually developed a shot that people could trust. Or I just,
1: or wins in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's got to wait for the playoffs, but they're, he's going to be their go-to guy offensively again in the postseason. They're going to be going up against Brooklyn. And I, I just don't see it. They should ride Middleton more. I don't think that they will.
1: I think so, but in the beginning of the season, it seemed like at the end of games, they were going to tune. I know Drew Holiday had a game-winner this year. So they are, it seems like they are kind of realizing that we got to get the ball in someone else's hands at the end, which is yeah. crazy that you, you have this back-to-back MVP and he, he stands in the corner at the, in the last 10 seconds of the game. That's what's just so strange. And that, that's what I'm hung up on
0: watching the NBA every night is there's a, there's a big difference between stars and closers. I mean, there are certain guys... That may not be an upper echelon player, but can close out a game for you. And then there's others like Giannis. There are less examples of these guys that you don't really trust at the end of the game. And we see every year in the playoffs, I mean, it's, it's clearly the teams that have that guy. I mean, Jimmy Butler was closing out every single game for the heat. He could, he would similar to Chris Paul, he would ease into the game. He would take his open looks, and then the fourth quarter comes, and it's this, I I got this, this is my game to have. I don't think Giannis has that ability, and I think the biggest issue is that he's reluctant to go to the line, which, unless you're LeBron, that doesn't really work at the end of these games.
1: Well, that's another thing, right? He, I think he's shooting better from the line, but he's still, he's not confident at the line. And I think that's a good point, though, right? Like, there's so much talent in the league, but if you can't close games, then... You can't win games. I think you got like Carl Anthony Towns, who is one of the best bigs in the league. You don't even see him play because they can't win games and he's not closing games.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. And also what I'm excited about this year is there are going to be so many exciting storylines, especially in the Eastern Conference. There's a lot of young talent. And I'm just excited to see a guy like LaMelo be in these situations, Fail, fail or succeed. I'm just interested to see how these guys react. As much as we get hung up on the regular season and enjoy the the nightly grind of it, the the style of play is it's a complete 180 in the postseason. I mean, we could be sitting here thinking that Charlotte's a, a solid team; they've got good depth. Uh, Scary Terry's playing great at the end of these games. Hayward looks the best he's looked in a few years. But I mean, they could go into Brooklyn and they could they could lose by 30 back to back nights and, and get a clean sweep. So I'm curious to see what these teams are actually made of. There's so many teams that are led by young guys and young guards. And I'm just curious to see, especially in the East, it's a total new load of talent, new look teams, really. Um, so I'm excited for that.
1: Yeah. And just the last thing I'll say on that end is, is I think we were talking about Trey versus Luca. Yeah. The legend of Luca is what he does in the last minute of games. You know, you got, he's also a, a walking twitter highlight reel like literally built for social media and quick clips of his ridiculous passes and whatnot but he closes games and him doing that you know on national tv game after game it's like this guy is. that's why he's real though you know like it's like his 30 point triple double is not why he's real a lot of guys are doing that it's the fact that he's putting his team on his back and hitting big clutch shots at the end of games
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way he did it against Boston was, was a side to be seen. Well, that's, that brings me to Steph Curry too, because Steph's in an interesting spot. Now the Warriors are struggling. They're fighting for the play in 10 seed. They've got so much inexperience on this roster. Steph came out and said recently, I don't want to quote it, but he said something um, basically saying how he doesn't really need to prove anything at this point. He just wants to basically saying how anything is almost gravy at this point, but we've seen the past few nights. He's kind of, lost his patience with this roster. So I'm curious if they make a move. But even talking about closing, and I'm, I'm overly obsessed with it, but like Curry doesn't have too many signature closing moments in the postseason. The one I think of most is either game six against Houston with uh, Durant out, or um, I rewatched the um, game six of Warriors Thunder when Durant was on the Thunder. And Curry in, in that second half is an assassin. And it's fun to watch because we forgot when they had to rant kind of what he was like.
1: Jeez. I mean, he, he, yeah, I have
0: too much time on my hands that I'm watching that game.
1: Well, those, those warriors teams though, were blowing teams out in the third quarter, the fourth quarter didn't even matter. Yeah. But, but, I mean, so I, you know, I, I, I would be interested to know how many game winners they've even had the opportunity. Cause I don't, I don't recall him like missing a bunch of game winners and he's, you know, the ball will definitely be in his hands. I do, the first thing I do think of when I think about Steph in closing is is game seven uh, when they lost. Against Love. He, he threw up that brick. Yeah. Like That, you know, he lost his, he, he had this, the Space Jam aliens take his power <laughs> last two minutes of that game. Do you think they should move Wiseman? I think it's too early to do that. I think it's okay. too early to do that. And, you know, this is it's another season, right? I mean, first of all, what could they have rebuilt better in a year like than last year to get the to get that pick in a year where Steph and Clay, for the most part, were were just rehabbing and you know preparing themselves for the second half of their career, the second show. They they're now in a position where it's you know Clay's still out, so this is another year where they're they're building something again, they're rebuilding something. So I think they gotta hang on to him, let him develop. He's got so much talent. So much talent. I think I think the piece is, is really that that next, you know, they got Dre, they got Clay, they got Stefan Wiseman. It's the next guy who they thought was gonna be Ubre. And now there's all these rumors about moving Ubre. And I think what whatever they do with that guy is is gonna dictate kind of what the next few months look like, especially, you know, if they move him at the deadline.
0: Yeah, I'm super curious to see what they do because Curry just turned 33 and his window is going to close sooner rather than later on the prime of his career, right? Especially for guards of his size. I mean, of course, he's probably the best shooter of all time, so he could still kill you from outside. But Draymond's getting old. His game is not going to age well. Curry's getting a little bit older. Clay is going to come back off two brutal injuries. So the window is going to start closing I'm as big a Wiseman fan as, as anyone else. I love his game. I love his talent, but he needs, he needs a lot of seasoning and he's probably, he probably needs another full season before he can even really be relied on to be, to be that productive. So I'm curious to see what they do because as I mentioned, by the time Wiseman is what you expect him to be, which is a potential all-star center, Draymond at least is not going to be in his prime and, 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 and unlikely Curry. So we'll see what they do this is the fortunately enough for golden state they're a big market team so they don't they can take that gamble and they don't have to worry as much about the rebuilding process whereas if that's a small market team i feel like you got to just keep your guy and and build around wiseman but they can they can sign
1: free agents that's a it's fair point all all fair points and i I, you know it it, the hope the pick was interesting because you you thought schematically well they need a big that's the missing that's the missing link to this whole thing but Truth is, how many games and championships they win with Draymond playing a five in crunch time? No, you're right. I, I mean, mean it, picture I, I wanted Edwards there originally. You know, went just leading up to the draft. I thought that would that would before the lottery, obviously, but I just thought, you know, add shooting to to that team and let Draymond just facilitate with four shooters. I
0: agree. I mean it's easy to say now that picturing Lamello playing off curry would be would be appointment TV every single night. But yeah. yeah, Wiseman's a project and they knew that. I mean, he, he played, I think eight college games. He, he stopped midway through the season. He's been hurt a little bit this year. So he hasn't gotten the reps in that he needs. I just want to see like any other NBA fan. We need to see Curry in the post percent.
1: So we need, we need, I need clay too, though. We need yeah. Curry together. I, I I refuse to say that, you know, that window that we got of, pure dominance and just game changing like talent and the way they played was just so it was just so beautiful to watch it's so fun the way they were killing teams it was just different
0: yeah and and it was yeah they play with so much joy we
1: need that back man
0: yeah the problem is too is that i didn't even I, i didn't allow myself to enjoy that that golden state run i was too into lebron i was so worried about golden state I thought Curry was like a showboat hot dog. I was so wrong. Clay frustrated me. Thought Draymond had too much of an attitude. And looking back, that was one of the most fun teams that I should have enjoyed. I want to end with this, Brett, because every year the Celtics almost make some move at the deadline. Danny, Danny Ainge is talking to somebody. They say that they were talking to the Pistons about Jeremy Grant, who would be a pretty oh, pretty cool. he in that. the house, baby? Yeah. Never thought that Jeremy Grant would be one of the best players to ever graduate Syracuse. Um, Especially thinking about him at Syracuse playing with that uh, C.J. Fair, Ennis, Rakeem Christmas, and Trevor Cooney team, Uh, he he had no offensive game at all.
1: He was he was the perfect zone guy. Who was like he's built for playing basketball at Syracuse in a zone because he was so long. He was so good on the glass. But he was—he didn't. I don't think he took a jump shot in the few years he was there. And no. now he's—and now he's shooting twenty shots a game.
0: Yeah, the biggest—the biggest upset of the offseason is that you would—you would say now that Jeremy Grant's on a team friendly deal, <laughs> he,
1: right? He may be on a team friendly deal, and I think that's part of the the ploy why Ainge is interested in him. Because he's
0: he, interested in everybody though, he, and they he,
1: never. Right? I looked this up because I was curious. The last
0: time they made an in-season deal, the last time they made a trade, the last time they made a real trade for anyone of any significance was in in fourteen fifteen. They traded Marcus Thornton and a conditional first rounder <laughs> to the Celtics for for it. That was like Marcus Thornton was a bucket back then. Well, yeah, that's the last time they made a move, and. I get impatient and I I probably overreact, but like, look, you have these two two two-way stars. You gotta, you gotta go for it. I mean, what are we going to sit here and say that, Oh, these teams other than Houston never went for it when golden state was stacked because they knew they couldn't win or teams. Do we think teams are really going to do that with this Brooklyn roster?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the interesting thing about the Celtics is that Marcus smart's been out for so long. And I, I, he's just one of those guys where like his presence just changes a whole team, right? Because these Tatum and Jalen, they're gonna get their buckets, but can they get stops is the is the main thing. And I think Smart just adds a whole nother element to this roster. So if I had to guess, if you're asking, I would say Ainge doesn't make a move, and maybe even makes a snarkier mark. We got Smart back. He's our he's our trade deadline acquisition. So we'll see. I I think. You know they obviously they played Houston. I think his last game, but we'll we'll see what happens. He he he's a force, man. He he's he's a little he's a game changer. Yeah, I
0: think it comes down to just Kemba and what he can bring to them. He, as you mentioned, he he's not much better than Trey Young defensively at the end of these games. He he's a problem for them. They don't have the. I, mean, I thought Tristan Thompson would be a good pickup. He hasn't been very effective for them. Their best center has been been Williams. Time Lord needs more playing time. Um, I'm a big fan of his we'll see with Boston I think Boston's destined for another frustrating exit in the postseason I'm just I'm not buying into it I'm not buying into Boston
1: because you know I just love Tatum so much I think he's such a great player and he's going to be such a good player in this league they're missing that third piece and Kemba they, they paid Kemba to be it and he isn't so and no one, by the way, he's on the wrong, I think he's on, is he on the wrong side of 32? So I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's really a market for him too. No, I don't think so. No one would have thought that
0: Terry Rozier was a bigger asset right now than Kemba Walker, but he is.
1: He he may, he may be, he may be yeah. at least defensively right?
0: Yeah. And at the end of these games, regardless, Brett, I appreciate you coming on and talking hoops. I'm, I'm am uh i I'm a little upset that we couldn't open up a pack on this pod, but it uh, does it, it, it not, just doesn't I, happen
1: I'm not holding my breath on, on NBA top shot my my Duncan Robinson hopefully will will fund my my children going to private school um we'll see what happens with that but uh always happy to talk ball the good thing is we have Qs playing at 940 on Friday night which I I to be honest with you I I was I had very low expectations going to selection Sunday and it wasn't looking good in the beginning when you, you saw UNC was an eight. You saw Georgia Tech's nine. It's like, oh man, this could be trouble for us. Um, so we snuck in there. We're playing our best basketball of the season as, as Bayheim teams always do in March. The zone's finally clicking as they always do in March. And I've been arguing with people all year, wait till March. But we got a tough matchup. So, you know, see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, we, we just have something else to root for.
0: Brett, you would, you would be absolutely offended by the amount of college basketball that I've consumed this year. None. It's none.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't watch it. I only watch Syracuse games. I don't miss a Syracuse game. Other. Than I'm bad. My my brother is all in on the recruiting trail. He knows all these recruits in That's high school awesome. and stuff. So he kind of fills me in, and he's 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 my roommate. So I you know he fills me in when we watch games. He knows who everyone is. But and this is the other thing I've been talking about with my friends recently is. The college game is different. There's just not as much talent anymore. You, you have three guys every, you know, from last year and moving forward, it's going to be three lottery players that are playing in the G League or overseas every year. So And, and then everyone else is playing in their local markets, 20 minutes from where they live. And, and it's just not the same game as it used to be.
0: No, I mean, these teams have such limited chemistry. And, I mean, I can't speak too much on this because I'm not kidding. I haven't watched a single minute. But... There's no chemistry, and the 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 court literally feels like it's a tenth of the size as the NBA court. I, the way that the way that the game feels is just so tight to me. I'm gonna obviously tune into March Madness. I'll probably be. I'm going to have a tough time tuning into March Madness over some shitty NBA games, the problem.
1: We'll see about that. Wait till wait till, you know, you will got once Colgate wins the first round matchup as a 14 seed, then it'll get a little exciting, you know. Yeah. If you like if you have like SCC teams running the table, it won't be fun. Are there have- any fans? What was that? Are there any fans at the at the site? I don't know. I actually want I I would doubt it, but I wonder yeah. if it's like local based.
0: Yeah. We'll see. Well, we'll end on this now. One last question. Do you like the new Friday through Sunday format they have this year? The uh, Are you aware of this? No. So the – all right, I got one college basketball thing on you. The uh, March Madness, they're playing those playing games that used to be Tuesday and Wednesday night on Thursday, and those first four rounds are Friday through Monday. So Monday oh. is going to be oh, – okay. it's really strange. Yeah, Monday is going to be – the second day of the round
1: of 32. All right. So we'll all miss a little less work. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there, it's two ways, right? It's no, no, like, no. It's well, I, kind of, I like it because, you know, instead of dreading a work day, you got multiple screens going, but you know, maybe we, this time we can drink a little bit. If it's, if it's going on over the weekend, those first few rounds are just electric.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it makes the Monday significantly more bearable. when you got, what is it? Eight games. All you're hoping for in those first few days is to not lose your sweet 16 teams. I haven't even, I think I have my best chances here because I know absolutely nothing.
1: That's, there you go. I yeah. out that packet right when it came out and I haven't looked at it since and I will not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Brett, thank you for coming on uh, another episode of Spilling Buckets. We appreciate talking hoops with you and uh, certainly make it happen again.
1: Hell yeah. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem.